Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a lot of stuff that we design to, to, to make that happen. It's intentional. Um, we also, this gets into the weeds. We can talk about this later, but we do not let people work anywhere in the world. That's also a legal and logistical disaster when companies tell people that they can work anywhere. So we have specific we call them hubs where people work from, even though even though they're may, they may not be an office. Um, it, 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 they're geographical concentrations of employees, which allows people to get together and do things and have events, and allows our leadership team to go visit those hubs and connect with all the companies. So there's some important parts of that fabric to to our strategy. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now, so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to The Greatest Machine. I'm your host, Darius Brashazde. Boy, do we have an amazing guest, my main man, Bob Glazer's in the house. What's up, brother? Hey, good to see you again. Or I guess this is this is seeing for the time being. So. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like I keep seeing you on Zoom. This, we got we got to. Yeah, we got, we, got, we got to meet IRL. Yeah, the, the world's got to got to get better. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, guys, we have such an amazing, amazing show today. Uh, Bob Glazer. This is the, your second time on the show. First time we were doing lives. This is our first time doing podcasts. So I'm really excited to have you here. Do you mind if I uh, give a little bit of our backstory and then I can sure. your bio? Yeah. All right. Awesome, guys. Guys, so Bob and I met, um, for those of you that have seen our past episode um, when I did it live, uh, Bob and I met, we met actually at Gathering of Titans. Uh, we're both EOers, both go way back in the day for EO, and we've done a lot of work there. But Bob, man, what a stud. I I, I met him at, at GOT, and I'm like, this guy's doing a ton of cool stuff. And, and, and I was really pumped to get to know him. And, and man, we have so much, we have a lot of parallel paths around our love of core values. We'll be talking about that today. But um, I really also want to talk about a lot of the cool stuff you're doing. I'm gonna, about to go over Bob's formal bio, which is, 
you know, your, your formal bio makes uh, the average person feel like a loser. Yeah, that, you can just go with that. That's good. I'd rather you keep lower expectations than, than higher expectations. <laughs> no, no, no. I got to go for it. I read when I was writing it, I was, I, I, I rewrote it because I was like, this, this sounds too businessy and I'm going for the, I'm going for the gold here. All so right. I'm going to, I'm going to, do you mind if I do that? Is that cool? Go, go, it's your show. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guest. Guys, uh, Bob, Robert Glazer, but uh, goes by Bob to his friends. Bob is the founder and CEO of global marketing uh, of the global marketing agency Acceleration Partners, and he's co-founder and chairman of Brand Cycle. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he has a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to elevate. Bob is the author to four books, two Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestsellers. I got that right. Is that correct? That the uh, yes, that is correct. And those are the books Elevate. And how to thrive in the virtual workplace. His newest newest book. We're going to be talking about that. Bob is the host of the Elevate podcast, where he interviews change makers from all around the world. And Bob has his Friday Forward newsletter with over two hundred thousand subscribers worldwide, dropping knowledge every Friday. Today's Friday. I'm sure you just drop more knowledge. So, man, you're just a busy guy, brother. Yeah, you haven't read it yet today. You know, it's like uh, you know, it's all, I, I, it's, all it's all good. <laughs> it was about it was about not not being a well kept secret. The, the the last thing you want to be is a well kept secret. Oh, uh, dude, dude, I need to not be such a well kept secret. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, how are you doing? I'm good. Man, it's been it, like last time you were here, the world was on fire. Here we are, it's back on fire. It's just the end of yeah, summer. Embers are still burning, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Especially in the <laughs> west. I, I moved to Texas. I live in Austin, Texas now, but all my friends in California, they're just talking about the the air and all this stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, like miserable. I, I was in park city a few weeks ago and it was blowing in from, uh, California. You know, it's sort of like a, there problem when you're not there. And like, I, it was, I was, my eyes were burning they said it was the worst air quality day in park city history. I mean, it was pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. We just need wild, wildfires in the South East yeah. and then everyone will believe in climate change. But until then, or just mix the water dumping in one place with the fires burning in the other place. You know, my really big like Elon Musk idea is to build like a water pipe system from every city so that you can take when there's, you know, because it's just feast or famine. So you could just move the water. It's like a router to where it's needed from where it's not wanted. Yeah, completely. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that idea. Let's let's take it offline. <laughs> we so, can use the oil pipes that they dug and now they can't use. So uh, yeah, we'll be all good. Well, you know, I, I I have you ever heard of this group called Abundance 360? Yeah. So are you are you are you participating in that or is this? I, no, I just heard of it. So I I I um I got a couple of friends that are A360 folks, and for those of you that don't know what A360 is, it's Peter Diamantis's. I guess I don't know if you want to call it like a mastermind or it's it's a it's a group that meets all year long, and they're all about we live in the most abundant time in history of man, and because of technology and the exponential growth of technology, that basically the best is yet to come. Right, right, which is we can kind solve of these problems, yeah. Right, right, and that we actually have the tools and know how to solve these problems. But the best is yet to come. And uh, and I read somewhere uh, where someone was talking about, you know, when you're in the dark ages, you don't know that the Renaissance is about to happen. But when you're in the Renaissance, you have that contrast. You're like, oh, that that, that period was the dark ages, yeah. right? I so, wonder how that message has landed in the last eighteen months. We're in the best period in the history of the time. I mean, that's. <laughs> Well, right. Well, so then the question is, is are we on the brink of the renaissance? Are we, you know, is there a prolonged or extinction? Yeah. One of the two. Or, yeah. Or are we, or are we I like, think the renaissance may actually be our attempt to prevent extinction, right? Because 
the environment's going to win out. Like we don't figure out, you know, how to, how to cool it down a little bit. Well, have you heard that George Carlin, the George Carlin bit about like the earth? No, maybe I have, but yeah. So, so George Carlin's like, save the earth, save the earth. He's like, the earth's going to be just fine. (laughs) It's us who are fucked. (laughs) So yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. It's pretty funny. He's like, save the earth. He's like, the earth's going to be just fine. So man, uh, it's been a while. Like you've been up to a bunch. You put out your core value course. You got the new book. Where do we start? Uh, yeah, look, those are those are good places, and and you know the really the interesting discussion a lot around the you know virtual work, and I think the companies that that made the shift, like we're, we're at a point now where it's we've survived the getting by, and now it's about like what are we going to do going forward? And there's a lot of wavering, um, uh, and, and I think companies not putting a stake in the ground, but I think a lot of the companies that made the shift easily were great organizations with clear values, good management, communication, trust principles. And like those things all transferred to, to, to remote work much better than an environment where there's no trust, no KPI, no values, you know, no how do we behave around here? Because think about it, is there any better test of values than sending everyone home, you know, without anyone looking over them all day long? Yeah, that's an amazing point. And you, so you built your last, your current business, and you guys are completely virtual acceleration partners, right? Yeah, we've been 14 years fully remote. I, I say we've gone from something that we used to try to hide as best we could to to now it's in vogue, and people are asking me to speak and write books about it. So, so how many uh, folks do you guys have remote right now? Uh, 240 in 10 countries. Man, that's that. So, I, I think when we met, you guys were like low 100s. So, you guys have a that, double that, the size. That's probably right. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So you guys have doubled in size, a couple hundred folks remote. I, I my my last business that I, that I exited about a year ago, when we first grew that, we grew that to just about three hundred people remote, and then we ended up like we ended up having some issues because I was just too early, man. The technology you, you do need, you can do it, but but you need a lot of the, the technology makes it a lot easier. It also depends on the type of employees you have, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, and that goes to like our values are a very specific type of employee who work well in a, what I would say not remote or not remote. Our environment is very oriented around high flexibility and accountability, like like people who want both uh, or, yeah. or, or are willing to take the combination of both, I should say. Yeah, I, I think and I think that you're hitting the nail on the head that, that hey, I want autonomy. Right. So I want that. So I think if you have that autonomy, but that accountability, that flexibility where like, hey, so I'm guessing your people kind of they work when they need to work type of deal to get stuff done. That helps. Yeah. Out? But look, I mean, we're a client service business. So there's if you want to go to London for a month, then like the rest of the world doesn't have to move around you. You need to make that, you know, you need to not ask other people or the client to change their their needs based on that. So the people who are super accountable, the flexibility is never an issue. You know, the, 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 you know, I, the people who you can't find them, they, you know, whatever, like, it just, you know, that just doesn't work. Like I always say like our, we hire about, you know, 80, 80% of our roles or 90% of roles are are account managers. Um, So it, you know, we have some good data on that. I mean, we hire about 1.8% of the people for those roles. So we're trying to find the people who work really well in our environment to our values and how we work and the environment we work is, is a big part of that too. It's interesting. Like I just did the core, I do the core value onboarding training for all new employees. We just had our biggest class 19 and 
bunch of people say a lot. I feel I know people here more. I feel closer than a lot of companies that I worked in person. So there's a lot of stuff that we design to 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 make that happen. It's intentional. Um, we also this gets into the weeds. We can talk about this later, but we do not let people work anywhere in the world. That's also a legal and logistical disaster when companies tell people that they can work anywhere. So we have specific we call them hubs where people work from, even though even though they're may, they may not be an office. Um, it, 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 they're geographical concentrations of employees, which allows people to get together and do things and have events and allows our leadership team to go visit those hubs and connect with all the companies. So there's some important parts of that fabric to, to our strategy. So when, so you, so you, you built the business and sorry, when did you start acceleration partners? How long ago was that? Uh, it's been about 15 years, I think now. Uh, All right. So 15 (laughs) years ago, you started the business. It was remote. I mean, remote then was yeah. like, again, we were like, we'd like to do that. Well, it was it was actually a necessity. So we were a high-end service provider in a niche industry called affiliate marketing. We couldn't in the US get the talent was all over the place. We had to hire them where we were. And it started as something like, let's just do this and then we'll grow up and get an office. Uh and and that never happened. But literally, like we were scared to death that our clients, which were Fortune 500 clients, would realize that we were all <laughs> remote because it was such a negative bias at the time. And you know, this was before Slack. This was before Zoom. This was before Office 365, and you know, a lot, a lot of those tools. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's always worked for us. And since we've built the whole company and culture around it, we're 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 you know pretty intentional in terms of the things that we do to make that work. I, I, so I'm intrigued right now, probably more than the average listener, because I I was I went remote 2010 which was the first time I started working from my home office. Um, and, and so um, for me, I, I always joke, it's a joke. You're going you're gonna to appreciate this right now, what I'm about to say. So in 2010, I had an office in downtown San Francisco. Yeah. And, and I had a, a two-year-old, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, my, or one and a half year old. And so I'm, I'm working from home in San Francisco in my house. Cause I just didn't want to drive downtown. Cause I go, I'd go to my downtown office. I would shut the door and just like start working. And I'm like, well, why do I need to, I can do this at home. I don't need to spend a half an hour commuting each way. Yeah. Um, and now my, my employees, a lot of them worked from the office still. So my wife who she worked for this creative agency in San Francisco, she would say like, Hey, um, uh, FedEx is coming today. Can you, can you get the door? And I said, I said, well, I'm not really here. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, that's always the tough. But, that, yeah. What, what do you mean you're not really here? I said, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm physically here, but I'm mentally not here. I'm, I'm, I'm in a downtown office in San Francisco. I just yeah. have to physically be working from my house. So she's like, you're ridiculous. Like, we used to answer the door. So, uh, but I, I did it because I get, I, I'm a type of person that can work remote. I'm so focused that with like the doorbell would ring, I'd be on a call. I'm like, I'm not uh, gonna, uh, yeah, the bi- I'm not answering it. You probably have ADD. That's a byproduct. You can hyper focus, right, and and just ignore the world around you. So, so yeah. where I got in trouble though was when they would put the the final notice that they were going to send the FedEx box back, and I because I wouldn't answer the door because I was working yeah. remote. But but the reason I, I you know so so I joked that you could put me in an igloo in like the middle of the North Pole and I would be able to work remote. And I do think that some people are that hyper focused. My question for you though is like having gr- me having grown up for 2010, which is four years later than when you were doing it, I was. Uh, that, that there was this renaissance of remote that started then, right? You, Zoom wasn't out then, but there was some decent conference call stuff. And yeah. you had some, you just started to go to the cloud. Um, I, I just did a lot, you know, you, you were just able, internet was fast enough where you could do a lot of stuff remote. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life. Canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fast forward, I mean, go four years before that. How how do you do that? If you have a team, are you guys all in the Boston area or are you guys not local? Like, how do you manage a team as all conference calls? How'd you guys do that? Uh, yeah, it was probably, um, what was the one that was a big, they used to sing you that like country 
Something. Oh, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, you know, I'm on, on hold, hold, I'm on, on hold. Yeah. Look, yeah. look at how memorable that was. Um, look, a lot of it was actually not that. It was the fact that I always say, like, we're a little like the military in that in a client service business, um, there's a look, if you think about the Navy SEALs, there is a common training, there's a uniform code of conduct, whatever, but people operate in their platoon, you know, 90% of their time. And I think the client service groups would actually spend a fair amount of time together. They'd go to business QBRs together. They'd go to conferences together. They would they would kind of get together. So they're actually within that group was was a lot of regular, you know, connection and calls. I, Zoom definitely, I remember video didn't come on the scene until I, it was through EO that I had first ever seen Zoom uh, and brought it back. That was probably seven, seven eight years ago. Yep. Um, but But it wasn't. Again, it, it was less about it was actually about the culture. It wasn't about the tactics. It was like, like, like this. We had a lot of parents of young kids. So, yeah, they they spend a lot of time together. They go to clients together. They, you know, do things together. Um, however, you know, we've always since we were eight people gotten the entire company together once a year. And we do it very EO, GOT style, like incredible speakers, deep personal connection stuff. And I think th- that carries people. You could you could have passed someone forty times in the office in a year and not, you know, not not had a real deep conversation with them. I, I remember we were doing like a lifeline exercise with a group uh, at that event years ago, and two people had a very similar experience with their fathers, like earlier in their lives, and they had worked together for two years, and they had no clue that they had this like core common, you know, connection. And I know that that you know. For the next year, I, I think that totally changed their their relationship. So, yeah, we've actually like I, I think that you do need these in person moments. You do need the human connection, um, but there's just different things you're doing every day in a client service orientation where you're very outward facing all day. You don't need to be in the office with a bunch of people when you're going to be on the phone, you know, talking to your clients. You, it's nice to see them or otherwise. I, I, you know, great example is my publisher and my books. I was talking to them. So they were a no remote, you know, before COVID, like had to be in the office. And, you know, now they're sort of kind of hybrid and and and, and just more needs based. Like my editor was saying, look, if we're having our meeting on which books we're going to bid on, like that's a really important in-person meeting. We're sitting there, we're holding the books, we're talking about it, we're discussing. But if I need to edit your book for nine hours in a day, like why do I want to go into the office and lock my room self in my office, not talk to anyone and edit the book for nine hours? It just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. Well, well, yeah, they're physically there. So some people are like, well, they're there. So I could see them. Are you, I'm like, are you looking over their shoulder to make sure they're yeah. editing the way you want them to edit? Come and, on, man. And, or have you seen the numbers on on how damaging distraction in the office? You know, the the, the opening stats from the the how to thrive in the virtual workplace book are, you know, traffic has gone up two percent in two two minutes a year. You know, in every big city. And so it's taking longer than ever to get to work pre-pandemic. And then you get to work and the office environment is more distracting than ever. People are losing like an hour and a half to distraction every day. Because the great open office environment thing is one of the biggest debunked, like wrong productivity experiments ever. The, the thought of not having closed door corner offices w- w- was correct. Like having people visible and, you know, you're not the, the CEO in your big oak corner office. But having everyone open all day with no privacy, bugging each other all day long is 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 been thoroughly debunked as a productive office environment. Yeah, like it. it I I talk um, 
you know, I did the Stegen and there's a whole thing at Stegen around attention management. Right. Yeah. And, and then like, if you, they say like when you get distracted, it takes 20 15, minutes. To get yeah. Back. I've heard like 15, 16 minutes to get back into what you were doing. Right. Yeah. I think Harvard did some studies on this. Right. So, so yeah, so Harvard, so Harvard, I believe did some studies on this and it, yeah, it's, 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 I had read maybe it was 18 minutes to get refocused. Right. Yeah. For every distraction. So the, when I, I do, you know, right. Since I left my business, uh, sold, sold my interest in my business, I uh, started helping companies build their core values, right? And so I've probably done, I don't know, almost two dozen now. Yeah. And and I and one of the things I do is I do a core value rollout, which is probably some version and it's in my book, it's chapter six. But um, when I started, I do a thing called working agreements. I don't know if you've ever done that before you start no. consultations. It's really cool. So before I start, I say, hey, what's the we're gonna come and I do this in a virtual environment. So so I'll do it virtual, I'll do it in person, depending on the situation. But when I do it virtually, I go, hey guys, what are the things that we need to agree on that we're going to all agree as a group to do during the next three hours, whatever the hour, however long the training is, um, that we all mutually agree upon. And so people start naming stuff like we're no side conversations. Side conversation, by the way, is you going in the chat and you chatting with someone because that would be like you whispering in a closed room together. Uh, no interruptions, no um, being respectful, having fun. So they'll start throwing the things out and I put it all in the Zoom chat and I go, okay, great. And then while I'm doing it, I say, does anyone disagree? on this. If you disagree, speak now or forever hold your peace. So then we do a secret word, a safe word. Mm -hmm. If anyone breaks it, you got to say the safe word, right? So safe word yesterday, I did a, a core value rollout for a company was banana. So if someone starts breaking and we go banana, banana, to start, right? So this is, this is again, working in a virtual environment, a, a thing that, that we figured out. Um, but one of the things I say to him, I go, Hey guys, listen, you're willing, you have to be willing to close your email browser while you're in this meeting. And that's my rule. I yeah. said, because let's just say, for instance, you you have a ping in your email and you look and it's Nordstrom's half yearly sale, right? I'm going to use that. As, that's my best example. I love using that's that your, example. Is that, is, that, is, that, is that a distractor for you? I, I, no, yeah. no. <laughs> my point being is that it, for me, it's not because I hate shopping, but uh, for maybe my wife, different story. Um, so, but let's say Nordstrom half yearly sale goes in someone's inbox while they're in our meeting, in our, in our virtual meeting, yeah. and they stop listening to... Bob and Darius, yeah, the CEO and you know partner of the company, and 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 look at their half yearly. I said that would be akin to you get a knock on your door, and you and you you wave them in, and it's some dude in a Nordstrom's outfit trying to, to, to tell you that they're having a sale. Yeah. Like you would not be cool with that if we were in a conference room and that happened. But that's the virtual version of it. So there is a big thing around. It, eliminating distractions and getting focused that I think is a really big part of, of having that mindfulness of being in a remote environment. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, look, and actually I think people struggle with that at home. I think the number one thing that they need at home is these boundaries, these physical and mental boundaries. They need the Clark Kent and Superman. Like this is my office. Someone on my team yesterday, I was like, Oh, I was joking with her. I was a video call. I'm like, you look all dressed up. Like you got an interview or something. And she was like, no, I do this every day. Like I shower, get dressed up. Like, my kids know that when I'm in work clothes, like I'm in work mode. And then at five o'clock, I go put on my other clothes and I come downstairs. Um, so so I, I really think that people need those those ways of, of, of focusing and not jumping back between worlds. Uh, you know, yeah. I like my my kids will know, like, again, I do all my video things from this office. I heard one of them come. Like if they come in here and they hear me on here, they'll they'll like leave like they you know, if I was doing this at the kitchen table, 
it's very confusing for them. Like yesterday, I was doing something at the kitchen table and uh, my wife kept asking me something. And, and I realized like, you know, I, 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 I'm sending mixed signals on that because again, I can block out the world, but, but, but she sees me, you know, and then if she starts asking me something and I'm like, I'm right in the middle of editing a right. important email. So it, it is, it is better to create those physical uh, and mental separations. I love that. And, and so um, one, one of the things I want, want to dive into, which, which is a concept I, I touch on in my book around the importance of core values, right? And so I, what, when you, and, and I, I figured this out when I went remote early on. We had a couple hundred employees, 83 ENPS. I mean, just crushing it. To your yeah. point, lots of alignment around behavior. And I was like, wow, uh, when core values are alive and well in the organization, you know, my position on this is it becomes a language of accountability in the organization. You get what, you, what I call an invisible manager, right? Yeah. And what it is, is it's that core value alignment. And, I'm, and in a virtual environment, I started saying this early on too. I said, if you want to have a successful virtual environment, you need to have a common language of accountability. Your core values w- will help you thrive in that environment because they will. I don't need to say, hey, Johnny, you need to work harder when I'm not looking over their shoulder, not at their house, because they just work hard no matter what. I could put them in an igloo in North, you know, in the North Pole and they're going to work hard. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So I think it's two things. It's values. And then people are having to move from input to outcome management. Like I'm not like, look, if I let Darius, if I let you choose, okay, salesperson A makes a hundred phone calls a day and sells a thousand dollars worth. Salesperson B makes 10 phone calls a day and sells $10,000 of product. Which salesperson do you want? Oh, 10,000 all day long. (laughs) Right. So, so, but most managers, that's not how they manage. They're managing the inputs. Like they're managing the, how many phone calls did you make? Not did you get the outcome? So this one goes back to just, I think, well-run organizations. Show me an organization that had integrated goals, you know, annual goals, quarterly goals, public accountability for the KPIs, outcome-oriented metrics, good delegation. Like they weren't going to have a problem with, with moving to <laughs> remote. Right. I, I, and look, our look, our core values are, are own it, embrace relationships and excel and improve. The first two are a concept called interdependence, own it, embrace relationships. We need and want people who want to make decisions and own it and are comfortable doing that. But they're also not like, you know, solo artists. They believe they're better as part of a team and they want to be part of a team and will will, you know, defer to the team and, and get help from the team and make the team better. So that's a very specific DNA of someone who works sort of in our version of, of remote work. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com, 
And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's dariusscale.com. And now back to the show. What, um, so go going, so talking about that, um, I, I have a friend, Rick Gerard. Do you know Rick? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Higher power. So, so he and I have had some pretty in depth conversations because his whole thing is around building hiring systems that, he just came to, out with a, a new book, right? Yeah, his new book, I think, is called Higher Power. Um, no, no, he's got a newer one, which is about like helping people get over their career trauma, which I think is pretty interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so I didn't know that. Um, so is this the one with Gina Wickman did the forward? Uh, I'm not, he might have. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So, so he, so, but, but the big thing with him, which is where I see tons of overlap with what you just talked about is his things around building recruiting systems that are completely baked in values, right? Which is we need to hire for values, right? Obviously skill sets important, right? Like, like competency matters, but, but if I get two equally competent candidates, well, one's a value fit better than the other, then it's, it's a no brainer who you hire. So, but how do you design systems? And, and I love what you said earlier, which is you have to design for the outcome in your business if you want to have a thriving virtual environment. And, and, I, and I'm a big believer of designing culture, designing the outcomes, designing all, this is all design-based. You want to have a great outcome in your business, you got to design for it. You want to have a great culture, you got to design for it. You want to have a team that is intentionally working together virtually, you need to design for that because it doesn't happen. Guess what? When they're at home by themselves, that doesn't happen by itself. They don't actually build the, you know, like congruency in a team but just by happenstance, right? It happens because I believe you have to be, I used to tell them you have to be at least five times more intentional with a virtual environment than you do with an, in the office environment because you get a lot of these casual passings in an office environment. If one of the definitions of culture that I like is how people behave when you're not in the room, then literally in these environments, no one is in the room. So do you have a set of core values that actually would dictate how people are behaving and how they can make decisions when they're not in the room with you? So, so with, yeah. And so with that being said, you, you, you know, obviously you've, you, you like writing books, you've written a couple of them, a couple that haven't done yeah. too bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, like, like what, what was the, you know, motivation for the, how to thrive in a virtual work, workplace? Was it COVID? Was it that you, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you've done it. Like what, what was the uh, writing books that not an easy thing to do? Well, what well, got well, you one of my, one of my personal core values or for my overarching purpose is to, is to find a better way and share it. And, you know, we had been doing remote forever. COVID hit. I try to be helpful. People are asking me to speak on, on remote work. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm getting a bunch of questions. I'm updating that presentation. I'm doing it again. And then I'm like, I'm just doing the same thing again and again and again. I went to my publisher. I'm like, you know, I seen people seem to, this knowledge would be helpful. Like, I, like, let's see if we can get a book out. And we got the first ebook out in 90 days. And I was like, and I almost gave it away. I was like, here, like, here's the playbook. And I took another three months and interviewed a bunch of CEOs and started to get actual data about what companies were doing. And then, and then that was the full book, book that came out in, in, in January. So um, that, you know, that, that was really the impetus was like, it, 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 are there ideas here? Look, I, I just, I believe, I think as you do, the business is a huge tool for change. And, and, but, but, but that comes through good leadership because that's what creates good business. So if, if there's some, you know, if we had some ideas or best practice or otherwise would help these organizations get through this and function better and, you know, be a better place to work for their people, then, you know, I wanted to try to share that. 
What what do you th- what do you think is um if let's just say you have a, and there's a lot of people. My former business partner like was anti remote, right? This was like a culture clash he and I had initially. He was like as far away from remote as you could possibly be, and even you know, like we never agreed. We 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 just fully never agreed on it. And yeah. and it, so which is like not a good thing to have with your business partner, but um you know we we worked through it, but but I have a uh you know right because of COVID, most businesses, especially you know white collar businesses, were kind of forced yeah. to go into remote, right? Uh, especially services businesses. So uh, I have a client, a couple hundred million dollar company uh, down in the southeast, and they're a non remote business, right? They they do it by necessity, but the CEO like he he was like like put on your suit and go to work type of guy like he yeah. he, like, he likes it he likes the interaction he likes the culture of the office a lot of a lot of CEOs like that he just now one of the things he did was he's like look i need to under, they have about 100 remote employees uh 400 500 total employees he said look i need to like understand my remote employees a little better so one of the things he started doing was he works remote one day a week just to start to understand that environment better but what are some things which i thought was kind of cool and he's like yeah i really like it it's focused and and i'm starting yeah. to understand what my remote employees go through more so and he's he's a an enlightened leader this guy's a great guy but what are some let's just say someone is of that old school camp knowing that the world's changing regardless if they like it or not knowing that millennials are like, listen, boss, I want to work from Tulum, whether you like it or not. Yeah. What, what, what advice would you give to someone that has that old school mentality that's trying to move but is afraid to do it? What are the, what's the first step? So here, 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 I'll tell them a story. So in 1998, uh, remember when the internet was sort of coming out and all the companies, I remember reading these articles where these you know, mostly older male CEOs would brag that they didn't know how to use email. They barely knew how to use a computer their business was fine that was all cool that was disqualifying two to three years later to be a ceo that didn't know how to use their email i think most of those people were out of their job within two to three years and they're like oh this 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 digital thing is just a it's just a fad so i i don't think since then we've had a existential impacts the entire business moment and and i think what a lot of people do is they're reacting to their sunk costs like the sunk cost fallacy of like I've done this. I spent this. I have my lease. They're just, they're looking backwards, not forwards. Like I would look forwards. One of the stories in the book, my friend, Eric Huberman, I don't know if you know, Eric, Eric had this cool hip digital agency. They built this $2 million office build out in, in LA in 2017. And they had Silicon Valley, I think was shot there and all this stuff. And, and he was like, this is central to our, to our business and who we are. COVID hits a year of COVID they survey employees, like, how many of you want to come back, don't want to come back? 90% of the people never wanted to come back to the office again. And so, you know, Eric wasn't like, you guys, we've got an office, like, come back. He's like, well, then we're going to get rid of the office, like, because clearly wow. 90% of the employees don't want it. I, I don't think there are a lot of people that can make that sort of, you know, uh, uh, sunk cost thing. I mean, when you see all these really anti remote work or flexibility things coming out, they're coming out from older male leaders. It just feels like their grip on power is slipping. This, I need everyone in the office is slipping. As you said, my favorite quote, Mark Cuban keeps saying this with respect to cryptocurrency, he keeps saying, you know, demand and supply are undefeated. And if all of these talented employees want flexibility and want some aspect of working from home and you want to be the company that goes, we don't do it, you can play that game. I just think your talent pool is going to shrink. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I love that supply and demand are undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah. 
<laughs> Tattoo that on your head, people. Uh, yeah, that's it's great, it's great. It's great advice. Like it's never worked. You know, I, I remember reading years ago that the war on drugs was such a failure because they attacked supply and not demand. Like right. the more that they did the drug bust, the more prices went up, the more it became like the more you know, uh, uh, violence there was like, it's just really interesting. Yeah. That's, I, I love that. That's fascinating. So, so, okay. So fine. I, I'm a, I'm a, an old school mentality guy. I, I get, but logically I get it, yeah. but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do it. It I, is, I, it is like, fear. It is, like, it is out of your comfort zone. It is lack of control. And, and I would argue that if you're operating your company that way, you're probably operating on this, like, old playbook anyway that's been expiring in front of you you know that you just haven't noticed so maybe this is the wake-up call all the pandemic did was advance things that were already in motion by five years and that's why we're not going back to 2019 because all of these things were already happening you looked at the number and remote work and flexibility and you know digitization i mean my parents had never grocery shopped online before and they're not then but they're going to keep doing it now like so a lot of these changes i think are, are, are are permanent and again i think Great leaders do two things. They they make a definitive decision. I realize that's rep- repetitive, but a lot of people are hedging now and they're not saying, look, here's our strategy, whether you like it or not. Actually, the people have said, you're coming back to the office by October 1st or you don't work here. Well, I don't agree with that conclusion. I think their clarity around that is actually the right thing. Um, and, and you figure out, like again, what makes the most sense for my business going forward and looking forward into the world, not back to where we were. What, um, so, okay. So yeah, like I love all that. What if, if you're going to give advice though on what's the first change they should make to try to, to get comfortable with it? Like what would be an easy thing that you recommend for people to do the first thing to, to make that first step? If like, obviously you zoom it, you were forced to do it, but, but to your point, people are ripping people back into the office. Google's doing it. Facebook's doing it. Um, like what's the first step to, to accomplish, that that you know that first step out of your comfort zone like how do you get people to start to wrap their head around a new playbook i think it is that outcome orientation like how how do you start putting your metrics out there changing the conversation around this is what we expect and this is what we need and i'm not going to manage you day to day on how you're getting there i'm going to manage you week to week or otherwise so i think it is just it is moving towards this thing saying that if, if we are getting the outcomes that we need as a business, because that's what's most important, then I am going to get less, I'm going to be willing to become less comfortable with how and where that's being done. And so, um, you know, you, you got, you, can you stay on? I know we're running a little late here on the show. Or do you got a hard stop? No, no, I, I'm okay. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll run for another 10. Um, so, Question, two questions. One is, okay, great. So, so now we're getting people moving in the right direction. One of the experiences I had with, with working remote was I, I found, and, and there's data to support this. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, about one in three people could work remote because they could work from anywhere. Like they have the right constitution to do it. It's easy. They don't get distracted. They have the right work, home work environments. You know, what about the other two thirds? Because what I found was, some people they cannot work. They need to step out their house. Yeah. They need to go to an office. They call them the social the social butterflies, the raging extroverts. Yeah, like it's like torture to tell them they have to work from their house all day. Yeah. What do you? What? What? what how do we? Is your thought process that yeah, there still is a place for office, but the, but we need to embrace the fact that this yeah. is a big piece of non. I'm not. I'm actually not a person who said that offices are going to go away. There's going to be no offices. I, I come back to this word flexibility. Like I just think of like. 
two years ago, your kid was sick on a Friday and you said, I'm not going to be in work today, right? I think the difference now is you say your kid is sick and you go, you know what, I'm going to do what I need home today. And no one blinks and realizes yeah, that 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 you get it done. So I, I don't think offices are going away. I think some things are better done in person. God, like I couldn't. I couldn't do another executive offsite on Zoom. They're terrible. Like oh, it it's so, so bad. It's Strategic planning, that sort of stuff. It's just way too draining. You need the whiteboard, all that stuff. I, there, so so yeah, I'm not, I don't I don't think we're going office list. But I but again, I think to that example of the publisher before, like I think we need to, you know, understand flexibility and context and results and what should be in person, what doesn't have to be in person, and 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 what are what are the expectations? Because I think hybrid's gonna be the strategy that a lot of people choose. It worries me the most. I think that hybrid needs to be a strategy in itself, not the absence of a strategy. Yeah. I've I've heard 10 different hybrid company strategies from you can do whatever you want to we're in the office on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to the you need to be in the office 50% of the time, to you need to be in the office for these sort of things. All of those have different implications for employees about why they may or may not want to stay at your company or, or work at another one. And, and, and again, as a leader right now, like you got to put a stake in the ground. Like we're past the, it, it, your employees are wondering whether they're going to work at your company. And, and, and frankly, like you may find that you call them all back in the office and you tell them they were coming back October 1st and they're all interviewing. So you might be in for a real rude surprise on October 1st. So yeah, I, 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 I look, I, I think that leader's job is to make decisions that aren't always popular with everyone, but to make them definitively. And and I think it's time to do that with any company saying, here's our go forward workplace model. Not that we might tweak it, not change it, but as best we know now, here's what it is and here's how we're going to support it. Yeah. I love that, man. Like, you know, making those hard decisions. And I think this goes to, to, to the next thing I want to talk about, which is values. Right. Yeah. And like getting clear, I, I, you know, I, I say that core values don't need to be nice. Right. And what I mean by that when I say it is, you know, it's a little bit of a provocative statement. But what I mean by that is you are who you are. If I'm a, hey, I want you in the office because it's important for us that people physically get interact. It's important for us that people, you know, have that part of our company. And by the way, it's my company. So I'm going to do what I want with it. Right. And at least you're being at least you're being honest. Right. Yeah. I mean, totally. The example I always give, I know, which will resonate with you is like, and this is what always frustrates me. If you're an ex-athlete and you want a super hyper-competitive A-type culture where 80% of the bonus goes to 20% of the people, you fire 20% of the people, you're like, just tell people that. There's plenty right. of people that'll come work for that. Just don't say, oh, we're all about teamwork here. Because you're not. You're about winning and losing. And I bet that company's probably growing 40% a year and doing some cool stuff. But it's about winning and losing. And your company events should all be hyper-competitive and like – You'll, you know, ringing the bell type environment and just just own that. Like, don't sell this other crap that someone, you know, because if someone comes and they're like, oh, this isn't to me, it's always I use the quarterback and out. like if a running back signs with a team and realizes they're run and shoot, they go, oh, you know what? Like, I need to get a different team because I'm just not not enough, you know, passes here. Like I always say, if someone doesn't like our company, I hope they go, you know what? I picked the wrong team. Like. They are what they said they are. You know, what people, frustrates people is when you sell this narrative that is not at all who you are or what you believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the we're family first, but hey, I want you to work six days a week and right. you better work weekends and nights. And oh, by the way, uh, if you don't hit your numbers, your job's at risk and we don't, you know, like, like this hardcore environment. I'm like, hey, listen, you're hardcore, own it. 
you know, right. We're, 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 we're family for, again, this, this culture of, uh, you know, uh, and, and look, when Uber was doing great stuff, like years ago, they just, they had this sort of like the bonuses went to like an incredibly like small, you know, number of people, which made it very cutthroat. Like, but, but it's just, again, saying like, this is it. This is, this is the environment. If you're the type of person who wants to win or lose that bonus, then great. But, but don't say we are teamwork and it's all teamwork and we're all equal. Cause that's just not true. No, Uber's number seven core value when Travis was the CEO was toe stepping. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, 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 and I that's, that's what they did. Like, look, I, so one thing I'll give them credit for, like, let, let's not pretend that the cab industry is like a wonderful, like it's a cutthroat <laughs> medallion. Like, uh, so if they were going to make any waves in that industry, like they had to break some rules. I wasn't, I mean, that was, that. that's like going into a, like hardcore, you know, so so that made sense given where they tried to break into. Yeah. Hey, kudos to them for that. So, yeah. so, there, so this, so we'll end on this, like this comes down to being clear on your personal values and if they align to the, let's assume a company is being authentic with their core values. Yeah. But it really comes down to, I think you as an individual being clear on your core values and making sure they align to the company core values. So you put out this great new course and your boss and your boss, right? You may have a boss where you guys, don't align on three out of five. And that's just like core oil and water, right? Yeah. yeah. Not going to work, right? You need to have they, what I always tell people is I say, listen, your core values don't need to necessarily be the same as your company. They just yeah. can't be in conflict with your company. Yeah. So, so uh, let's talk about your course and then we'll get you wrapped up and get you out of here. But yeah, like, like I, I'm so pumped. You're doing the individual personalized values course. Talk about that. Yeah. So I, I figured out my core value six or seven years ago. It took me like six months to a year. I collected all this stuff. I didn't find any real process. I just knew it was important. It was the most important change I made in my life was understanding those values. Anything I was telling everyone, anything anyone reads in, in my bio that is an achievement happened after that date. It's like BC and AD. Um, and, and, and I actually took that process and we started using it to train leaders in our company as part of leadership training. I'm like, look, you got to understand your personal core values or else you can't lead authentically. Yeah. And I just saw some awesome, like epiphanous breakthroughs. And we, you know, built this curriculum out over two years. And then when I wrote Elevate and I talked about core values, people are like, all right, well, how do I do it? I'm like, I can give you some keyword. I'm like, I, can, I don't have an easy answer for that. Like I have this process. And after, after we had it really good at the company, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to open this up to anyone who wants to do it. And, and that's what I did. And a lot of company teams have taken it and people have written me that had some breakthroughs. Like, I think it's, it's, it's a real clear way to get down to some like actionable personal core values for you. So, um, so, do you mind if I ask what your top core values are? Yeah, I think I I, I told you before, right? It's uh, f- uh, find a better way and share. It's a pretty dominant uh, one okay. for me. Um, respectful authenticity, which is an interesting sort of uh, version. Again, that's my version of integrity. That's what it means to to me. Uh, Self reliance, long term orientation, and health and vitality. And look, I'm saying those to you without any notes or anything, right? I mean that yeah. that it's like a company core values. I don't have any notes. Like these are. Like when I am making decisions, those are the key points of when, when I was deciding what the hell is Friday forward and should I should continue this thing and it doesn't make any money. I was like, but it really checks every single core value. Like, yeah. So let me do that. And amazing things came out of that. Have I, have I shared you with you, my personal core values? I don't think you have. Okay. I have six. I, I, I know like six is a lot for five, five is like my, it all depends on your memory. As you get older, you might need fewer. Oh man, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it because there was really six. So heart, which is all about, you know, happiness. Yeah. B- 
Besos, which is love. This is my family core values too. Eye of the Tiger, which is passion. Yeah. Cinco, which is curiosity. And it stands for what, where, who, when, and why. Um, boom, creativity. And then movie night, which is balance. So those are my, those yeah. are my, and you got a little memorization on each one. And yeah, and if you have a big decision in your life or you look at something where you are, and this is what the course takes you through happy or unhappy, you're going to find that you are either working in the zone where you were kind of aligned to all those things, or you were being asked to do things that went against those. You know, it's funny. I use uh, last time we talked, um, when you're on the show, I, we, we talked about that specific thing you just talked about. And you used an analogy that I, that I stole from you and I use all the time, now, which is that, you thought, it, and maybe you want to give it again, which is talking about a car driving through a tunnel yeah. and then you hit, hit the wall, right? That's the friction. That friction when the wall, when the car hits, starts hitting that's the what, wall. That's what, yeah, not, that's what most people are doing, right? They're, they're in the tunnel. The lights are off. So you know a core value has been crossed when you s- smash your nice car up against the wall. And so what do you do? You pull it off from the wall and then you'll probably hit the other wall. If you're driving a really nice car, if you turn on the light and paint the lines, it'd be a lot better to like stay away stay. from the walls. <laughs> Yeah. Stay inside the lines, right? Like, right. like, like, go down the fair. Yeah, and, and it's, I love that. You're not like, going to feel good when you're, when you're, like, you know, uh, like, look, when you come across someone who just doesn't care, or has no heart, or makes a selfish decision, like, it's going to literally get your blood boiling. I mean, one of the tests in the in the in the curriculum of if a core value is accurate is this notion of an anti core value. Like, what is the anti core value? Because it should be kryptonite. It should feel like terrible right like for me find a better way someone's like look we just can't possibly improve that like those are fighting words for me like when they say that right (laughs) so normally when i'm testing a core value with someone and i come up with the anti of that value and i say so how does it feel like if this person like darius is sitting in front of you and talking like this and whatever and they don't have to answer me like their face curls up it get like they get tense and scowly like you know it it is there's a physiological reaction to it Yeah. yeah oh man you and I, you and I are so aligned on the value stuff, on all this stuff. Actually, yeah. I love, I love, man. Listen, you're brilliant. I love, I love the, all the stuff you're doing in the world. All the, it's, it's just, man, you're kicking ass, taking names, and it's so fun to watch you do that. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, no, brother. I appreciate no it. No problem. And, and look, I set up all your users. I know you'll share the URL, corevaluescourse.com. If you use the code greatness, they can take it for half off. Uh, it, it's definitely worth an hour of your time. Yeah, guys, uh, go ahead. We're going to put this in the show notes. But yeah, if you want, like, that's so nice of you to do that. www.corevaluescourse.com. That's Bob's personal core value course. You got to know your core values. I, I I tell people this all the time when, when I'm doing core value rollout. Part one. It's of not easily is, done. It's not. It's 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 it, it, Yeah, it's easier said than done. Well, you know what's interesting about this, and we'll end on this, is that you know I looked up the definition of core after I wrote my book about core values. I was like, you know, I never looked up what the definition of core values is. So I look it up. Core values are the fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. Right. So then if you ask, and this is not something when we're in first grade, we're taught, right? We're not taught what our core values are. By the way, I'm writing a kid's book called What Are Core Values? Nice. I got it. I'll show it to you when it comes out. But 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 we're working on it right now. And it's like, you know, this is not something you're taught, but it's the fun, it's your fundamental beliefs. So it's your operating system, right? Exactly. So guys, go out there, check out Bob's course. Uh He's such a kind and generous guy to give us a, a, a code. So greatness is the code. Is that what they, they need greatness to Greatness is the code, yeah. Right. So greatness for the greatness machine, guys. Type in greatness under the core values, www.corevaluescourse.com, uh, code greatness. 
And we'll put that in the show notes. And man, so much, so much fun. So much having you guys sign up for the Friday Forward newsletter. Check out, uh, was it robertglazer.com? Is that where they can find all things that, Robert that, Glazer? That's where they can find everything. Yeah, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. Guys, all things Robert Glazer. My brother, thank you for coming on. Great. Love having you. Thank you, man. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. Peace out. We'll all see right. you guys later. We're out of here. All right. Bye-bye. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers, and after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.